Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, I'm super excited. We're sitting down talking with Lucia Leonard. Uh, Lucia is just an incredible ultra runner. Um, she has just a wide variety of experiences. So everything from stage races to 100 miles. Um, she's kind of done it all to this point. Um, and in a few months, she's going to add 200 milers to her uh, to her ultra running resume, I guess. Uh, she's taking on the triple crown of 200s. Um, so this is a super fun podcast. We talk about uh, a recent uh, 100 miler. She had the Mohican 100, which sounds amazing. Um, it's it's a 100 miler through the woods in Ohio. Um, and the pictures she posted, uh, just, it looks, I mean, I guess people have this kind of like conception of what the Midwest is, or I don't know if Ohio is Midwest or East coast It's probably both. Um, it's Eastern Midwest, right? <laughs> um, but people have this, cons- like this idea in their mind of what it is. And the Mohican 100, like the forest there is, is just something out of this world. Like it looks absolutely incredible thick forest um and she'll get into the story during this podcast so i don't want to um kind of spoiler alert it yet um but we'll talk about that uh we talk about her history stage racing um which i'm a huge fan of i think it's my favorite format of races that i've done um and then we kind of get into kind of what what she's training for which is the triple crown of 200s um we also mentioned uh that her husband dion who you can check out. We did episode 200 with Dion, uh, which was super fun. Um, but her husband is was taking on the Badwater 135. So that was kind of like the next event going out and crewing for Dion. Uh, that race just wrapped up, just finished. And Dion did an amazing job. Um, he, got, he placed sixth uh, out of the whole entire field. Um, that is a race that is just... It's in Death Valley in july so it's one of the hottest and probably one of the absolute hardest races that there are out there so um so that was really really cool to kind of see and follow along uh, the journey of them so so yeah but let's get right into it guys this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 261 with lucia leonard All right, ladies and gents, uh, this week I am super excited to bring on Lucia Leonard onto the podcast. She's a very experienced ultra runner. You've done like every type of ultra race, uh, it seemingly, and I'm super excited to just geek out on running with you. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Super excited. I've been listening to your show for a while now and yeah, excited to be on it. Yeah, I got. I, I'm pretty sure I interviewed your husband for episode 200. That's right. Yes, it was episode 200. Yeah, that was and a good it, podcast. It was super fun. Yeah. So, and I got to see your guys' dog, Gobi. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. So, anywho, uh, so I know like we've been messaging back and forth. You just finished the Mohican 100 mile. 100 miler in Ohio. Um, Mm. I'd love to kind of like just hear about what that was like since it's so fresh in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Mohican 100, it's it's in Mohican State Forest in Ohio. It's hot, it's humid. um, And it was my first ever 100 attempt back in 2014. 
So it was, it's been a, a, yeah, a monkey on my back, I guess, um, since then. Um, I went to that race with no experience. I mean, I'd done one multi-stage race. I'd been over to the Kalahari Extreme Marathon, which is in South Africa, which is the traditional multi-stage where you're, you do 250 kilometers over the week and you're carrying all your food and kit that you need to survive for the week. And all the organizers give you is water and that's rationed as well. So, you know, that's, that was my experience. And the long day, I think off memory was like 45, 50 miles. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah, well I can do a hundred miles, right? <laughs> and yeah, all, all the gear, well, not, not even all the gear, just no idea basically. Yeah. You know, a, girl from the UK, um, traveling over to America, um, to see the American ultra running scene, which in itself is mind blowing. You know, it's so different from the way we do it in Europe that you come over here and you're just, your mind is blown, you know, you turn up and there's all these Americans there with all their big bravado and they've all got their RVs and their crews and their paces. Everyone has huge beards. Yeah. They're all <laughs> shirtless looking ripped. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. I've got like my little drop bag and <laughs> one change of clothes and just no idea what I was doing. Um, and you know, you get out there and, you settle into your rhythm, but the, the course is really tough. You know, yeah. it's the humidity. I've never run in anything like that. You know, you start at five in the morning and you're wet from sweat from the moment you start. So you're out there, it's chafing, it's hot, you're getting dehydrated. And in that first time I went, I was, um, I did the first lap and I was second lady. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have gone out just a little bit too fast. Because, I love that. Yeah. I love that reaction because for people who haven't done something like this, they're like, wouldn't you be happy you were a second? Like, wouldn't you be happy you were in the front? But it's like for experienced ultra runners or inex like people taking this on, it's more like, uh-oh, why am I in front? This isn't yeah. good. I'm doing this, this wrong. This is not good. Yeah. And it, it was wrong. I got halfway through the second lap and suddenly all these women are like passing by me. I'm just like, oh no. And I knew in my head I was dropping uh, at the halfway point. Did you really? Wow. Why? It was, oh, it was just, I don't, I hadn't developed the mental capacity to get through a hundred miles. Yeah. And that's something that comes with practice and doing tougher races. And like I said to you, I'd only done that multi-stage and I'd done a small 30 mile ultra in the UK. So I hadn't, had the chance to hit those lows and when you do a hundred miles you're going through multiple lows and highs yeah. and you have to be able to ride that and i just didn't have the experience and the the yeah. mental and emotional capacity to to deal with it so i i'd resigned to the fact that i was going to finish and it was so stupid because i was sat there after i'd quit you know sat down on the grass watching the fireflies through the forest eating a pizza and drinking a beer and the time was ticking and a couple of hours later, I thought I could, I could keep going now. Like all I needed was to sit down and rest, get some food into me, rehydrate and then keep going. And I could have literally walked the last two laps. I yeah. probably had to get a jog on at some points to make the cutoff, but you know, I could have got it done. And I think that was the thing that was always bugging me for the last seven years was you should have finished that race then and you didn't. So you have to go back and finish it. So yeah, well, that's know. the thing that you hear from experienced ultra runners is like, Hey, take the time, like stop, mm. eat, take care of yourself, figure out what you need and just take that time. Cause so many people want to rush through it. And when you rush through it, that's when those little things start adding up. And then all of a sudden you've 
are done. Exactly. And you're not really done. We all know as soon as you finish a race within half an hour, you're starting to feel better. Life's coming back into your body, you know, so it, it really is about just taking the time and, and sitting down and eating, drinking, changing your clothes, changing your shoes. And I've learned all of that over the last seven years of, you know, getting ready for this Mexican 100 yeah. seven well, year training plan. I, <laughs> I want to, that's hilarious. I do. T- I think that every time I do a race, I'm like, this isn't a six week training thing. This has been like, since I started running, like this yeah. is, it led me to this moment to take this thing on, you know? Yeah. Cause that's um, what people ask me, um, as a coach, they're like, Oh, how long do you need to train for a hundred miles? And it's like, well, it's not really that you're doing a three month, you know, your traditional training block for a hundred miles because it is, it's years yeah. of getting to that point and then having that three month block to fine tune and then going and, and finishing that race. So yeah. yeah. And, and that's cool. And I, ha- I have to ask like, why the Mohican 100? I mean, so <laughs> yeah. I know it's like one of the like classic, like oldest 100 milers in the United States, which is really cool. Um, but I have to think like people, especially people, you know, from overseas, like, like you are, like, you're hearing about all of these other races possibly like, yeah. so can you kind of like, like hype up the Mohican 100? Cause it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. It's the fifth oldest ultra in America. Um, and Caballo Blanco's run it as well. And I guess for me, it was, it was a random thing. Cause we actually had a friend that we had met at Kalahari And he was the one that had discovered it. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go over and attempt this Mohican 100. I was like, do you want to come? It's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's run a race in America. So it was kind of like that. And I hadn't put that much thought into what Mohican was. But then when we got there, it was just amazing. Like all this gorgeous single track through the forest. Like it's so dense in there that even when the sun's rising, you you still have to wear a head torch because it's so thick in there. And you've got this tree root climb that you have to do on the first lap, which is about, I don't know, it's probably like 30 foot of tree roots that you have to get on all fours to get over. And that's awesome. I saw that picture in your, uh, the article you wrote and I, I wanted to ask you about that. That looked nuts (laughs) it is nuts yeah it's good fun but adds to it and you see a little waterfall on the way and it's just a really pretty area and never having been running in the states before like seeing my first fireflies through the forest and it's just an awesome experience and it's really low-key like it's not a sponsored event so that's what i like about it it's a small ultra you know they have like 200 runners doing the the 100 miles they have a 50 mile and a marathon as well so it's probably 600 runners over the weekend but it's not the big sort of hoo-ha and you know there's not the start line is basically okay we're counting down 10 9 1 off you go yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's right. oh we're off okay <laughs> whereas you know you go to these big races like western and leadville and there's a lot of sort of media around it and you say mohican to people they haven't heard of it so it's yeah. it's kind of nice to do something that not everyone else is doing as well it's a little bit different and it has the history there as well. So yeah, yeah it's great. I love the idea of like, not like a loudspeaker or whatever. It's yeah. just like some dude just sitting there looking at his watch, just like, and all right, guys go. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> See ya the next lap. And you're like, cool. Oh, oh, this is where exactly. we're going. Yeah. That's what yeah. I just, I like that idea about ultras because it's not only that, but I've done some where the finish line's literally just the race director 
Yeah. And because, I mean, this one was because of terrible weather. So everyone, no one hung around. Usually the finish line, people hang around and like all that, which is cool. But this one was just like the weather was crazy and it was the hardest thing I've, I've done. And you get done and like, there's just a race director. You're like, no one cares. Like, honestly, except for me. And it was super important to me. And I just like that kind of intrinsic motivation of ultra running. Yeah. And that's what I, I realized yet again during Mohican because I'd gone there thinking, oh, I really would like to do a decent time. Like, yeah. you know, I was thinking 26 hours would be really nice. And that's a stretch. You know, I'm not the fastest runner. I'm more a, a middle of the pack runner. And I just go there for the adventure and the challenge. And But it became quite clear after two laps that I was not going to get 26 hours. And I had to change my mindset again because it's like, well, why am I here? And it's, it's to finish this race, you know, and no one cares. Like no one has asked me what my time was because no one gives a damn. It's only me. (laughs) Like just get out there and and do it and forget about the time, you know, unless you're Jim Wormsley or Beth Pascal, you know, then time's important. But yeah, the rest of us, we're just out there having fun. No, I love it. I read, um, there's this guy, Brendan Leonard. I interviewed him a few weeks ago for the podcast but he writes this blog called semi-rad and read that yeah oh it's so good and he wrote on one and it's just so true it was just about running and he was just like yeah except for like unless you're like you said like in the front of the pack like does time really matter he's like you're not going to be sitting and telling your grandkids in 50 years like hey at the Boston Marathon, I got 6,000, 123rd place. But if I would have ran a little bit faster, I would have got 15,999th place. Like, it's like, yeah, that's stupid. Exactly. And yeah, for me, it was all about just getting to that finish line, you yeah. know. And, you know, you, I know that people look up to me, they follow me on Instagram, and I'm inspiring them. And I think, well, I can't inspire people if I'm not finishing things, you know. (laughs) So, you know, that gives you that extra motivation to really dig deep. And you have to dig deep. I mean, it was so weird as well doing a, you know, with COVID, I hadn't raced properly, like brutally (laughs) for 18 months. And the sleep deprivation hit me in the first night. And I've done UTMB um, in Chamonix. I've done Oman UTMB where I've been out for two nights straight. And the sleep deprivation hasn't hit until the second night. And this time it hit me at 3 a.m. I'm like, what is going on? I was like a drunk walking through the forest, like trying to fall over. And it's like, this can't be happening. It's the first night. (laughs) So it had this whole new things to deal with that I hadn't had to deal with before so early on in a race. That's, that was weird. I mean, I was hallucinating and seeing cows in fields when they were just logs and bears. And that was a log as well. I mean, once I realized they were just logs, it was like, okay, well, whatever I see is a log. So yeah. <laughs> that's random. Yeah. Well, that's you brought up a good point. Like you can't inspire people unless you're like pushing through these hard moments. And I think like being open about the hard moments is super important as well. So, you know, beyond the sleep deprivation, were there any moments where it got like really, really tough? Yeah. Strangely after the second lap, I was just coming in for the second lap. Wasn't quite dark yet. And I just, I knew I wasn't going to achieve the time that I'd set myself. And I just felt like I was disappointing myself and 
I started to feel really down and I started to get, you know, the cries <laughs> like, and then thinking, don't cry. This is wasting energy. And, oh, and I've had some friends come up from Chattanooga to come and support and crew um, my friends, Emily and Kate. So they'd come up and I thought, well, I can't let them down. And as soon yeah. as I turned up at the, where they were at the start, finish turnaround point, and, you know, they were full of smiles and, you know, just saying, no, you are, you're doing great. Like you're looking so much better than everyone else that's coming in. And I'm like, but they're ahead of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just, I really just thought this was it. Like, I'm not going to keep going, but, you know, got to the, the base point there and I changed my clothes. I ate some pizza. I drank some chocolate milk, yeah. got some pep talk from them. And then next thing I'm laughing and it's like, all right, let's go rock into the night. And, you know, it just turned around, but yeah, that was just a really low point just coming in there. And I was almost embarrassed to see my friends because I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm so crap. <laughs> like, you know, why can't I just be better at this stuff? And yeah, but as soon as you get some food and you turn it around again, then, then that's good. But um, yeah. yeah. That, that sounds like that's the experience coming in at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then another low point was actually going into the fourth lap the final lap yeah. um so it was 4 30 in the morning and um i was going out on my own because emily had paced me for the last lap and she needed a break so it was like well i'm gonna do this there was only a four mile segment so i thought i'll do this on my own and we'd had some rain and stuff throughout the day and emily was like i've checked the weather that's it for the rain we're good to go uh, 10 minutes into that lap and the heavens opened like <laughs> there was thunder and lightning crashing all around me rain just came down and it was like ankle deep water rushing down these trails. So you couldn't even see where you were putting your feet. And I was just like looking up at the sky, just like, what the F like this, this is not in my plan. I just wanted to finish this lap. Like, come on. And it was just really getting me down. Just thinking now I'm saturated. And but the good thing is in Mohican, it's never cold. Like I was drenched, but you know, I was still in, yeah. I, I put on a little spray jacket, which was drenched as well, but you weren't cold. So, you know, I got to the next checkpoint, had a couple of cheese quesadillas and I was good to go again. But um, <laughs> it's just all those stupid little low points and you think nothing else is going to go wrong now. Like this yeah. is it. We're, we're done with going wrong, but then there's always something else that pops up. So. Well, and that's what I love. I love that idea of like, you think it's gonna like, maybe even if the whole day was going okay, weather-wise yeah. and you're like oh i'm so close to the end i can do this and then the course is like we're gonna throw one more thing at you here's a torrential yeah. downpour and you're like oh and it's like it tests you at that point because then you're like all right it's giving me one final test am i gonna pass this you know yeah. to ultimately achieve my goal and i just think that's like you know and it's such a good metaphor for life because like how many things can we not control you know yeah so many exactly and that's what ultra running is it's problem solving you know because yeah. everything you plan everything and then something else happens you know i i never get feet issues um you know i don't touch wood i don't get blisters mohican i had three blisters on each foot so and i think that was because my feet were wet and i was sliding around in the mud yeah. and they were just i didn't change my socks or anything i'm so stubborn i'm just like no keeping it all on and yeah, I was too scared to take them off as well. But um, yeah, three blisters on each foot, which were excruciating. Oh, because I don't deal with blisters. So I'm like, how do people run with blisters? Yeah. So I had to learn to, to do that. Um, yeah. Did it slow you down at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, on that last lap, especially I was, you know, I took some paracetamol and it just wasn't getting rid of the pain. Yeah. So 
and I wanted to run like my legs still felt okay, but Oh, every step was just painful. So yeah, it really did slow me down. But, That's what I yeah. hear is the biggest problem with blisters is like, you can feel fine in every other aspect of your game, but it just slows you down. Like you just can't push as hard as you would want to. Yeah. Which is really disappointing when you feel like you've done the training and the strength work yeah. and your legs have still got it. Your heart's still got it. And yeah, you've got these pesky little blisters that are like, ouch, ouch, you know, <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah. What did, what were some of the like top moments for you in that race? Like, cause oh, here's what I loved. I, I just read your article. Um, mm. You talked about the Uggs uh, versus the Oz. Oh yeah. And I was like, what a good way to put that. Like, I love that. Cause there are so many Ugg moments but there are yeah. the awe moments. And it's like, when you look back on the race, how are you, how are you looking at it? Are you looking at it through a positive outlook or a negative? You could, you could see both, honestly, probably. Yeah. But, but yeah. So can you talk about some of the, the awe moments? Oh, definitely. Um, there's quite a few, but the, the first lap, um, the sun was just coming up. And this deer just shot across the trail, like single track, thick forest. And this deer just goes, <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness, that's just magical. Like I'm done yeah. now. I can finish. <laughs> but yeah. um, that was a magical moment. And there was getting popsicles in like two in the morning. You know, one of the checkpoints had popsicles. It was like, yes, this is the best ever. <laughs> so that was definitely an R moment. And an R moment with a person, actually, there was um, my head torch uh, failed. So pitch black, my pacer, she gave me her spare batteries. They failed. So we were, I was running with her head torch and she was running with her phone. And every person we passed, I was just asking, oh, does anyone have spare triple A's? You know, head torches yeah. died. And this one lady, Crystal, she gave us her spare handheld torch and her spare battery. And this was like at three or four in the morning. It was like that, that is ultra running, you know, when someone, cause what if something happened to her head torch? She's now yeah. given her back up to me. And I just think that that's just amazing. Just to, that selfish self selflessness. That's the yeah. word. And just to, to help out a fellow runner was just amazing. So yeah. Well, and like way. the hope is by her doing that, you know, the goodness will be passed on by the, through the running community where if something did go wrong with hers, someone else would be yeah. sacrificing one of their spares or whatever. Like that's, I love that too. That's, I mean, honestly, there's so many reasons why I love ultra running, but the community aspect is, and the giving and the positivity is just so huge. Yeah, absolutely. And just all the people that come out and volunteer at those checkpoints, you know, they're out there middle of the night cooking yeah. up, you know, ramen and making you quesadillas and, you know, coming over and helping you while you're sitting there with snot dripping down your face, <laughs> and, you know, you can't decide what you want to eat. And those guys are out there just helping the runners all night. And that's just amazing because we couldn't do it without them either. You know, that's, yeah. yeah, that makes the difference. I love when you meet the volunteers who have never been to an ultra or have never, you know, they're not runners or they're not mm. ultra runners and they're yeah. just blown away, but they feel like such a part of the community that they instantly gain something from this experience as well. Like, I love yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Very How did you cool. feel when you crossed the finish line? Like when you finished? 
oh, that was just amazing. Like it had been so long coming and yeah, the course kind of takes you where you can see and hear the finish line, but then you yeah. have to do like this little lap around a lake, um, before you Always get to the finish line. Always another little lap around a lake. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so it's like teasing you, but yeah, it was just because it'd been that DNF in 2014, it was more than just crossing a finish line. Like, yeah, I felt like I'd, I'd righted my wrong, like I'd proven to myself that I was capable of doing it. And yeah, it just felt so special um, to cross the line um, and to have my friends there with me as well. And yeah, it was just great. So that buckle means a lot to me um, to get that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm curious to hear because, uh, you know, well, I, I want to go back to your stage races at, at a certain point. But mm. before we do that, you and you and Dion have kind of like, moved around the u.s over i don't even know how long at this point but uh because last time when i interviewed dion you guys were in tennessee yeah um and and you've raced in ohio right now you're in las vegas in mm -hmm. in june or july which is yeah. a genius idea just smooth move <laughs> yeah that's an ultra runner move because he's doing bad water so he's heated you're like where's the best place to heat adapt oh yeah right here. Um, yeah. the hottest place on earth. Um, <laughs> but you've moved all around, you've raced all around. Like, what are your thoughts just in general on like the different areas of the U S like, you know, what, how is Tennessee different than Ohio, different than Las Vegas, different than Arizona, that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's well, all very different. I think, um, definitely over in Tennessee, like that whole Georgia, like North Carolina, you know, the, the racing scene is still very new. Yeah. Um, so it's not as sort of commercial and as popular as over here, like whole California, Arizona, you know, you've got Arrow Viper running and all of yeah. that going on. So there's like huge names out here and the races are well known as well. Whereas over in Georgia and stuff, people don't really think of Georgia and Tennessee in terms of trail racing, but oh my goodness, there are yeah. some epic trails over there and they are gnarly. Like you know, the trails over here are super smooth. Like it's like running on pavement, except it's dirt. Yeah. Like, and people say, oh, this is a technical section. You're like, huh? Look, there's a couple of little stones on the path. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not technical, guys. Head over to Georgia and see what it's like. And you've got the humidity there as well, which is like Ohio. So the whole Georgia, Tennessee, that's just humid. And you've got the storms to deal with. So yeah, that's pretty full on over there. Um, so yeah, and it's kind of nice because the races aren't so well known. So yeah, you get to go out and just be kind of a pioneer of the trails and stuff. Um, yeah, I loved that yeah. on the East Coast because then you're also seeing the same group of people because it is a smaller community, I feel like. So yeah. when I'd race in Virginia, it was like every race I'd go to, I saw the same guy every <laughs> yeah. time. I think his name was Hurley. And I'd just be like, Hurley, you're here at this one too? And he's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, whoa, sweet. And we'd run together every single race just for a couple of miles. And it was just so funny to me. Yeah. And I mean, that was a great initiation for me over there coming from the UK. Like I saw my first bear in the yeah. wild. Like that is some serious shit right there. <laughs> like, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, what did I read on Google? Okay. Yeah. Don't run. Don't scream. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And seeing snakes and yeah, just all these crazy wild animals. And yeah. And then you go to Tucson, like we're living in Tucson and we we're in Prescott for a while as well. And you've got to think about mountain lions and yeah. rattlesnakes and, you know, there's this whole different 
yeah, variety of safety you have to think about, you know, cause yeah, people ask me, or oh, is it, do you get scared running on your own? You know, are you scared of like being killed by, but they're talking humans. And I'm like, hell no, the yeah. humans are lovely. It's yeah. <laughs> got to watch out for the animals. <laughs> so, <laughs> I carry a personal alarm, but it's to scare an animal off, you know? Yeah. So yeah, but that was totally different going from Tennessee down to Arizona. It's so yeah. dry. Just, you know, you're having to carry so much more water. Um, it, you know, going out with two, three liters of water just for a 13 mile run. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, you know, and here in Vegas, you know, we're doing the heat training for Dion to do bad water and we've actually got a loop set around our house. So we do like four and a half mile loops so we can come back to the house, oh, pop call. up water, yeah. get some ice, um, refresh for five minutes and go back out. Um, cause that's just, yeah, you're running in like it's 108 today. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's just unreal. It's crazy. I mean, I'm excited to hear how bad water goes for him, but like, mm. and for you, like you're crewing, I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like the crew, like they have their own thing going on. Like they're sleep deprived, they're dehydrated. They're not taking care of themselves as much as because they're, you know, their job is to take care of someone else. Yeah. And and yeah, the danger I, is if something happens to the crew, yeah, Dion can yeah. get disqualified because one of us is down. Yeah. So if someone's down, we're just putting them in the boot. It's like, you stay there until we get to the finish. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's going to be, yeah. So you're probably heat training too, huh? Yeah, I'm doing the heat training too. I figure it can't hurt um, leading up to the, the summer races. And yeah, I mean, I need to be able to run with Dion out there as well. But yeah. it's a different type of pacing. So for bad water, you're more doing two to three mile segments as yeah. a pacer um, because, yeah, you need to be spraying your runner down, making sure that they're drinking and eating. So, yeah, shorter stints and because there's four crew that will rotate and all take turns. So, yeah, it should be a yeah. challenge. That's crazy. Yeah. Here's the side effect of heat training that they don't tell you. You're going <laughs> to like you become the best sweater of all time. <laughs> Like no awesome. joke. And then later, like months later, like in the fall, you'll, you'll get kind of hot somewhere and instantly your body will just like, Oh, I'm kind of hot. And then you'll lose all the water at once. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. I'm a good sweater as it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I'm teaching in, in September and my room gets kind of hot and I just look down and I have the biggest pit stains ever. Oh. And I'm just like, guys, I heat trained all summer. I don't know what to tell you. This is what happens. But Oh dear. No, that's super cool. So yeah, Vegas in, in July, like it's probably almost indescribable, like yes. how hot that is. And it is, it's so hard to describe to people. Cause even for our crew that are coming out, we had a zoom call on the weekend and you know, it's, they're kind of like, yeah, I think I can do like a 10 mile stint. And I'm like, guys, great Have to fun. be positive, but let's just reevaluate when you get here and you get out and you have to run a couple of miles like it just it kills you like yeah, yeah it's just takes it all out of you your legs feel heavy you know your whole throat's dry because the air's so dry as well and yeah and the sun's just cooking you you know it's so hot that you can feel like your skin sizzling it's like ah <laughs> yeah you know lather up cover up and yeah i've got this nice big dorky sun hat you know i'm gonna That's look right. super cool out there but uh <laughs> the style of bad water that should be a whole like photo series or something like for yeah. a style magazine. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, what, so I, that kind of leads me to ask this question then like, and it's something I'm super interested in 
just in my life, but also with the podcast is like, why, what do you find through the suffering of, of these events, you know? Because that's a huge part of it. You're suffering. It's, it's, you can't get around it one way or the other. Like it's going to happen at some point. Um, but what do you find? Like what's some, po- like what's a positive, like why do you keep coming back to it? Yeah. Well, I think the suffering part of it really makes you feel alive. Like, you know, you're feeling real discomfort and real, real issues that are going on. And yeah, I just find it yeah, fascinating how your body can cope with these situations as well. Like, you know, I've, I, I live a, a comfortable life, you know, I don't, I live in nice places and, you know, I don't want for necessarily anything though. I'd like to spend more at Lululemon than I get to, but <laughs> you know, but in all seriousness, I have a soft life. So yeah. going out to do these adventures, it's nice to have that toughness and to be able to overcome that and feel like I feel invincible after I've done these things because you're just so empowered by what you've just achieved that you feel like you can take on anything. And I think that that you're able to then bring that into your daily life, you know, and I think that's so important because life is tough. You know, you deal with rejection and you deal with disappointment and just having that sort of toughness from the ultras. I think I feel like I'm able to deal with any situation because of what I've dealt with during an ultra, you know, and you kind of think, well, I'm not going to die. Am I? Okay. So that person didn't want to book us for that event. Who cares? I I don't need everyone to like me or, you know, it's just, yeah, it really changes your perspective on life and and makes you a tougher person. And I think a more open person as well, you know, and the people that you meet while you're out there that are also going through horrible times. And yeah, I think it really just opens your mind. Um, So that's what I, I really like about it. Yeah. I think there's a bit of like the self-discovery too. And you kind of, you realize like who you are once everything else is kind of stripped away, like at your core, who, who you are and what your values are and, and how you can respond in this power that you have. I just, I think that's for me, I'm like, wow, that's something that I would never want to give that experience back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is so cool. And you're about to discover yeah. a lot more about that because of the 200 <laughs> milers, right? Oh gosh. Yes. Oh. And when you finish a hundred mile and you think, Oh, I've just <laughs> signed up for some crazy challenge of running three 200 mile races over the summer. Like you can't even comprehend how you're going to run another hundred miles on top of what you've just done. So that that's a whole other mind game. Um, that's yeah. It, you, you get, I mean, I'm going into that feeling confident from doing Mohican. I'm like, okay, I've done a hundred. I'm strong. My recovery was good. But also I'm like, you know, I'm scared. I'm like, Oh my God, it's like 200 miles. Like, can I do it? That that's always the question. I guess everyone asks themselves when they go to do something like that. But um, that's what we're, that's why we're doing it. It's pushing boundaries. It's pushing your own boundaries and seeing what is truly what you're truly capable of doing. So yeah, that's, it's going to be exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, from what I hear is it's a completely different event, different feel, like almost Mm. like different sport almost than a hundred mile race. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's going out much different paces and yeah, yeah, you, you can't look around you at 50 miles and go, Oh, okay. Well, they're ahead of me and they're behind me because so much can change, you know, with people's sleep, 
strategies and how their body copes with the situations and yeah. sleep deprivation. You know, we're going to potentially be out there for three, four nights without sleep uh, or without proper sleep. Obviously, you're going to get some sort of naps in. But, um, yeah, how, how do you cope with that, you know? And you can't train for that. You can't go out and, you know, go for four nights without sleep to train for it. So you're just going to have to suck it up and see. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> You're going to see so many cows and so many bears that are actually logs. That's my prediction. Yeah. yeah, as long as I don't see any. Oh, I can handle real cows and I could probably handle <laughs> the real bears. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, I know you're a log. And then it roars yeah. at you or something. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a log. Um, uh, so I do. Well, so. I guess real quick, cause I don't want to take up all your time today, but I'm actually, mm. I'm really interested in this. Like what brought you into this stuff? Like you started with a 250 K stage race. That's yeah. an exotic event. And maybe, maybe to like, you know, as an American, that seems like an exotic event because they're all like a lot of them are overseas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in other countries and continents. Um, but I know in Europe, that's kind of like a, it's more, more common, but still like un, an uncommon event, I have to assume, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's not that many stage races when you, you start researching um, yeah. around the world. But um, yeah, I mean, to start off with, I, I used to be overweight. Um, I was, you know, 90 kilos. I don't know what that is in, in pounds, but I've lost about 30 pounds, um, I think, since then. So, and I just started running to lose weight and, you know, yeah. you built up and did my 10 K was excited, did my half marathon thought, wow, I'm superwoman now. It's like, okay, maybe I should try a marathon. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you're thinking about ultras and my husband had bought me a book for my birthday of the world's toughest endurance challenges, which is a coffee table book, you know, pretty pictures, amazing stories. And, you know, we'd had a few drinks and he said, open it up and, and see what your finger falls on and we'll go do it. So I <laughs> opened up the book and Kalahari Extreme Marathon was there. It was like, oh, what's this then? So yeah. seven day, 250K, carry all your stuff. So it's like, okay, well, let's do it. So I signed us up and, you know, we had no idea. We went to some ultra running shop and we were like, right, we've signed up for this race. What do we need? <laughs> Sell me some stuff. <laughs> And luckily the guy didn't rip us off. He actually got us the right kit, the right bags. And, you know, he yeah. talked us through some stuff. And, and back then, you know, we did that in 2013. There wasn't as much information out on blogs and things like that. Like now you can get a lot more information. So we were sort of going into it blind, but, um, you know, we'll just go out for the adventure. And it was going out to South Africa and, you know, you're running out in this um, national park, which is up in northern northwestern south africa so you're on the border of namibia and at one point in the race you can actually have a swim in the river and swim over to namibia i mean that's just that's so cool cool yeah <laughs> and you're running with giraffes and zebras and baboons and you know you got like all the antelopes and stuff just jumping through it's yeah and none of those were logs correct none I, no i didn't know good, there was no good. sleep deprivation there. <laughs> <laughs> even though you don't get much sleep because you're you're sleeping out under the stars yeah and, yeah, yeah so your sleep is kind of minimal but um that's so cool were yeah. you like soup like were you a traveler or like an adventurer before you were a runner at all or was that also part of the new experience for you 
Well, we were travellers, like we liked going for city breaks. Um, you know, we were living in London and, and Manchester in the UK. So it was really easy to get cheap flights to Europe all the time. Yeah. So, and, you know, we've been out doing India and, and places like that and just having a holidays, you know, where you go and you book nice hotels and you yeah. swim in pools and you go out for nice dinners and do some touristy things. And um, yeah, so I felt like we were kind of intrepid travellers, you know, we were trying to get off the beaten trail and not do like the Barcelonas of the world and yeah. get out and see some real stuff. But then the ultras came along and it was like, oh, well, this is a way to see a whole other side of the world that people just don't get to see. And you know, you're out there and you, these multi-stage races, you, you're far, far removed from the cities and you're out there seeing native tribes and native animals. And it's just such an experience that most people don't get to have. And yeah, you're out there with uh, runners from all different countries and different walks of life that, and like you were saying about when you do an ultra, you know, people get stripped down to their, their bare soul and that happens in the multi-stages and generally they tend to be smaller fields. So, yeah. you know, you're kind of talking 30 to a hundred people unless you do marathon to Saab. Yeah. That's a whole other full <laughs> <laughs> game. <laughs> but um, you know, so you get to know everyone by name, yeah. you know, everyone in that camp and you see their highs and you see their very lows and you just become the bestest of friends. You know, after Kalahari, we had people coming and staying with us in the UK yeah. that we We'd only met at that race. We knew nothing about them, about their lives. And it's just like, yeah, come and stay at ours. Like, you know, and the same for us going there, you know, just people open up their hearts to you. And yeah, the multi-stages really do that because you're there and you're, you're there all week with no showers, you know, you're eating dehydrated food. And yeah, it's just super tough. You know, yeah. there's always the long day where you're out for sort of half the night as well as the day. So yeah, really, really tough. And I mean, I went back, I did that one twice. Um, I've been and done Marathon de Saab twice, which is totally different because you have yeah. like 1300 runners yeah. and that's like the Blue Ribbon event of uh, multi-stage races. And that's held in the Sahara Desert in Morocco. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's super hot, super sandy. And yeah, that's a whole other challenge. Um, yeah, helicopters flying above you, and you just feel like rock stars when you're out there. It's uh, it's amazing, but super tough. And yeah, then I've done some different ones as well, where you get catered food. You know, you don't have to carry all your own kit, so that that makes it a little bit nicer, a bit more pleasant yeah. than having yeah. to carry, you know, like a 18 pound bag on your, your back <laughs> and having to cook your own dehydrated spaghetti bolognese or something horrible. Um, so they're quite fun as well. And yeah, there seems to be quite a few new races coming up as well. Um, I did one in Sri Lanka with a company called Ultra X and yeah, they're doing ones like in Jordan and Mexico and the Azores and so they're kind of like expanding. So I'm sure yeah. they're looking to do, I mean, they've got Mexico, but I'm sure they're looking to do America. And yeah, now you're tempting me with desert rats and, you know. <laughs> I just love the, I, I love the fact that you, like you said, usually they're smaller fields, which is cool. You yeah. You know everybody. And I love the idea of like, everyone's at the finish line, like, cause yeah. there's nowhere else to go, you know? Exactly. So you're, you're cheering everybody in and then you're sharing stories around camp. You're hearing about other people's races. And by the end of the week, you're like, dude, I'm rooting for all you guys. Like, yeah. This is so cool. And I have a theory about it too. And I want to like, since you've done all these stage races, I'm curious to see what you think. But like, I think the only way to survive these things 
is by showing up as your best self. Like you have to be super positive. You have to be open to the idea of like enjoyment and open to help from other people. And so everybody's showing up as their best self and otherwise you're not going to make it. But I think Mm -hmm. that also just adds to this like positive vibe that you feel from everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. And it it really shows the good side of humanity because there's so many opportunities during these races (laughs) where people help you and you help other people and yeah, there's just this whole coming together of people that um, I know when I went to Kalahari, they were like, oh, we're so excited for you to come and join the family. And I was like, oh, that sounds so corny, like the family. And now it's like, oh, they're my family. Like, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, I didn't want to fall into that trap. I'm like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm too tough to be part of the family, you know. <laughs> but it was so good to be part of this family, you know, and I'm yeah. sure I'll go back there one day as well. That's- yeah. Yeah, awesome experience. <laughs> That's so amazing. I were you like that first time, like that was the first huge thing that you did athletically. So was it like I don't know, how did you feel during that that stage race? Yeah, that was it was scary, you know, because you you know, you do your training and you do some back-to-back runs and stuff, but yeah. to be getting up on, you know, day three and you've got yet another marathon to run then, you know, and they, you always build up the long day, especially the first time you do it, you know, you've run three or four days of a marathon a day, roughly give or take. And then you've got to go and do the long day, you know, yeah. that's oh, the infamous long day that everybody's talking about. You're going to be out there for hours and you're on tired legs and you're just so scared because you like, what, how am I going to deal with that? Can I finish it? And yeah, it's such a powerful experience to get through something like that and and to see how your body copes with just that whole routine of sleep, eat, run, sleep, eat, run. <laughs> and it's so nice because you switch off from the rest of the world. And yeah, yeah but it, it was quite intimidating. And I remember turning up at the start, you know, when you look around at a start line, you're like, oh, everyone looks so much fitter than me and they're more experienced. And yeah, but you can, as you know, from ultra running, you can never judge anyone by what they look like you know the fittest looking people may be right at the back of the pack and there'll be someone else that you're like oh i'll easily beat them and they're like miles ahead of you like they kick your ass in the middle of it that happened yeah that's happened and then you're like oh i'm such an a-hole like why yes yeah why do i get these thoughts like just see everyone as a level playing field and yeah yeah, just be open to everything (laughs) do you think I guess, do you think the stage race experience is going to be more similar to a 200 miler than like a 100 miler? Yeah, I think so. Um, the hundred miler, you know, you just got to get through and then just keep pushing, keep pushing. And then yeah. you can just collapse at the end and get yeah. to sleep. But yeah, I think definitely the 200 miles will be, I think the stage racing experience will definitely come into play a bit more. Obviously yeah. you don't get as much downtime. Um, but yeah, definitely that point of, you know, sort of going day after day after day after day <laughs> will be, will come into to practice and just having that lack of sleep and being able to sleep in uncomfortable positions. And yeah, I think that will definitely be a benefit. Um, yeah. Definitely be more similar than a hundred miler. I think uh, it's almost, it seems to me like it's almost like a really cool combination of a hundred miler and a stage race. Like you're with this, a similar group of people the whole time, depending yeah. on where you're at in the pack. Um, but you do get those, you get some more moments of downtime. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, so that'd be oh, nice. Man. That's gonna be a crazy adventure. Which so remind me, so Bigfoot's first, right? Yeah, Bigfoot first in August, middle of August. Then you got Tahoe in September, and then Moab two hundred and forty in October. <laughs> yeah, add those extra forty. Yeah, Candace likes to add a few extra miles in. <laughs> Got to get those extra forty. What um, is there any like specific way you're gonna go about training for this? And you know, like, is there advice that you've taken of how to like prepare for these things? Well, I'm pretty lucky because I, I have my husband, Dion, who did the Triple Crown yeah. in 2018. So he's literally been talking to me like an, a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week podcast <laughs> about the Triple. <laughs> Every run we go on, so we end up in conversation about some part of awesome. running 200 miles. So, yeah, I've really been getting a lot of knowledge from him. And, yeah, I think, like he said to me, it, it's don't make it out to be – the scariest thing ever you know it's big like there's no doubt about that but you're capable of doing it I think that's the biggest lesson he's teaching me is just to be confident in my abilities I'm doing the training I'm working hard so just go there and, and just soak up the experience and, and that's what I plan on doing and even he said to me he's like just ignore the time just go out and enjoy it don't worry about what your finishing time is what it will yeah. be it will be it's no one will know like it, you'll tell people you finished a 200 miler and they're yeah. that's all they're going to be like what the hell like 200 yeah. miles <laughs> they won't be like did you do it in four days or did you do it in three and a half days yeah the only person that'll ask that'll be dion because he'll of course yeah finish so he can go to bed <laughs> 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 what are you thinking you're going to finish? <laughs> Is he crewing you on that? Uh, Bigfoot's a bit hard to crew because you yeah. kind of have to drive six or 700 miles to crew someone. That's what I've heard, um, yeah. <laughs> so he's just going to see me, I think, at like 50 miles and then see me again at 180. So yeah. I'm sure you'll look exactly the same at 50 and 180. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I probably will. I don't know. I had this uncanny ability that I just look the same, which is really disappointing because I'm like, I feel like death inside and outwardly I'm still like got this glow and I'm like, <laughs> I look fine. And people are like, you didn't really work hard. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm dead yeah. inside. I'm dead, <laughs> but I'm not showing it. <laughs> and I always smile for photos. I'm, I guess I'm just too positive. I'm always smiling and you got to yeah. smile through it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. See any way through uh, either that or I'm crying. So I don't <laughs> want people to see that. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, and then, yeah. So then Tahoe and then Moab, that's amazing. Well, you guys yeah. could, I, I mean, I think it would be amazing after this whole summer and fall of adventure. If I could have you and Dion on and talk about, bad water triple crown like i would be geeking out for sure <laughs> yeah absolutely talk about how couples uh run together stay together <laughs> and crew each other and like yeah that would be amazing yeah because that could be a test you know after crewing bad water you know yeah that, that, yeah that's going to be testing <laughs> that would be testing you're going to be like dion you're driving the 700 miles at bigfoot let's go <laughs> exactly no i mean it's definitely a, a test of um relationships isn't it when you you do running together and crewing and pacing and yeah yeah going through those low moments together that's tough yeah, yeah but i think it also like by just like how running breaks you down and then builds you builds you up afterwards when you're reflecting like i think it gives you the opportunity to, to become stronger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's something different about seeing 
your partner. Um, it, it's really hard to see your partner when they're so low as well, when all yeah. you want to do, and I'm sure that's going to happen in Badwater, is all I'm going to want to do is put him in the car and, you know, just drive him off with the air conditioning on to make the pain go away. But yeah. you also know that you can't do that because you'll make the pain worse by not letting him finish. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's so hard to watch the people you love put themselves through that stuff. So, yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. that's cool well it's yeah, easier to be the runner and just be like ah <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah maybe yeah. for real um where can people kind of like follow your journey um through this whole 200 miler uh well i'm pretty prolific on instagram <laughs> i'm always yeah. putting up stories so yeah running dutchy on instagram um that comes from my dutch heritage nice um, yeah so mostly on there but i'm also running dutchy on twitter and on facebook as well so Heck yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be following along i'll be rooting i'll send you some messages rooting you, rooting you <laughs> stuff, so. yeah that sounds good <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming on i'm looking forward to honestly hearing about these this is going to be pretty insane and epic and awesome so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on and yeah, look forward to more adventures and definitely pushing the limits a little bit more. Heck yeah. All right, ladies and gents, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, Lucia, thank you so much for um, coming on the show. Uh, I thought it was awesome chatting with you. I had a blast. So um, I'm hoping there's a future episode of Lucia just regaling us with all these crazy adventures and all the ups and downs of her 200 mile journey that would be uh awesome i would be honored to have her back on the show and like she just mentioned you can follow along follow her journey follow her adventures at lucia i'm sorry at running dutchy on instagram um or if you look up lucia leonard i'm sure that uh her account or her profile will come up so um yeah that was awesome uh one thing it got me thinking about, though, is when I think about, and there's a lot of things that I obviously enjoy about ultra running, but one of the things is the fact that it's kind of like a choose your own adventure, right? Um, depending on like the distance, the format, right? There's all sorts of different distances, uh, everything from a 50K to a 200 miler and beyond at this point. Um, there's different formats, right? Like you can do looped courses. You can do, do it on a track, just running around in circles. You can do a point to point. Um, but also when she was talking about the Mohican race, it got me thinking that part of the variety and the spice of life that is ultra running is the location you choose to run, right? If you're someone like me, like I just really like going out and exploring, different areas of the world and when you're out on a trail you know in the middle of the wilderness and you're doing it by your own two feet that to me is the best way to like engage all of the senses right like you're smelling what that area smells like um you're hearing the sounds of the area seeing the visuals like i just really appreciate that aspect and so I love the idea of going to Ohio because I'm like, I don't know if I've spent much time in Ohio. So I'm like, I, th I love the idea of going there, being in the middle of a forest and feeling how that feels different than being out in the Utah desert or being up uh, on a mountain peak in Colorado or being towards the ocean in North Carolina, right? And I think 
ultra running gives us an excuse to go visit these areas, but also an excuse to actually immerse yourself in them in ways that, you know, you might not normally do on a trip. Um, and it doesn't have to be a race, right? Like you could just go out, plan some run, uh, you know, in a different part of the world or a different part of the country, um, from where you're used to running. And I think that has to me anyways, that has just as much meaning and gives me just as much purpose as actually like signing up for a race itself. Um, uh, so yeah, so I just love it. I love the variety here. You can, you can do an event you plan and you're the only one out there, or you can do, um, you know, an event where there are hundreds of people out there and you're surrounded by a community. Um, you can plan something with just your friends, like your close friends or relatives, or you can, you know, go out and do a race with complete strangers and hopefully become friends throughout that experience. So, um, if you're out there and you're, <laughs> we're 261 episodes in the podcast and a lot of them have been about ultra running though, not all of them, but if you haven't tried it, it's just a great, exposure to an adventure like you sign up for an ultra run or you plan a trail run in a beautiful or rugged part of the world like you're gonna have an adventure um you don't and you don't know what that adventure is when you start so that's super cool uh lucia made me think about this because when she's doing the 200 milers she's in all different parts of the united states um and on top of that, her and Dion have kind of been living in certain areas, running, exploring, moving to another area, running, exploring. And I just, I'm just like, wow, that's such a cool way to experience um, just a multitude of different environments and, and really experience just how big and diverse uh, our country is, which is really cool. So, so yeah, uh, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, Th thanks again to Lucia for coming on and yeah, guys, we'll get back at you next week.